Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Side Hustles and Stuff podcast, episode two. My name is Yuri, and I'm joined by Keishi. Hi, Yuri. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you? Not bad. Not bad. Looking forward to the discussion. Looking forward? What are you drinking right now? I've got some water, some tea, some Monster, a bunch of different stuff ready. That's cool. I got the um, Coke energy drink straight out of my vending machine, and I have a black coffee sitting next to me, ready to go to work. All right, you should have enough energy, so let's start. What are we talking about? Uh, you know what we're talking about today. We are talking about the six reasons why side hustles are not for everyone. Awesome. So we're essentially talking about the other side of the coin that we were talking about the last time. Exactly. Last time we were kind of telling people, this is why you should jump in and start. And this time we're, I guess we're gonna we're offering them a bit of a realistic approach to it. Yeah, I, I don't think we necessarily want to discourage anyone, but we just want to make sure that they're not just jumping right into it without knowing the the negatives of it or just the things to be aware of yeah. as oh, well. I will discourage them. So you provide the positive and I'll, I'll be uh, the devil's advocate. Sounds like a good deal. Let's start. All right. So six reasons why side hustles are not for everyone. Reason number one, it's real work. So Keishi, what do you think about that? Yeah, I, I think it's... <laughs> It should be pretty obvious since you want to make money with it, but I think a lot of people still kind of treat it as um, as something that's either very easy to do or something that's not a serious way to make money. Like oftentimes, well, not in our case, since for us it's some sort of it's sort of side hustle. But um, when you hear a full time blogger say that I'm a blogger, then oftentimes the follow up question on that is, yeah, but what's your job? Or okay, so when will you get a real job? So I, I guess the first thing you want to make clear is that it is actually a real job or it can be a real job and it can be a real legit way to make money in the long run as well. Yeah. I think in the last episode, at least in my case, I made it sound like, Hey, you just log in buy a domain and then you start writing articles. But you know, it requires really focused attention and thinking and like not just, it's not like you're passively watching TV or listening to a podcast. You're literally sitting out there in my case, what do I want to write about? You know, looking up keywords and formulating um, content around that keyword and assigning that content outline to a freelancer to write it. So all of this stuff takes like maybe a good hour or so. Exactly. It's like trying to build a business, except in the beginning, it's on a smaller scale, I guess. But the problems and the things that you have to deal with and the things that you have to do are pretty much exactly the same. You have to prioritize what you're going to do. You have to think about all the steps that you're going to take to get wherever you want to go. And you, you just got to know what moves the needle, right? So let's say you're starting a blog and you can't spend ages stressing over what font to use or whether you're choosing the right thing for WordPress or whether your logo is perfect if you have zero visitors because nobody's going to see those things anyways, right? And and what moves the needle at that point is just producing a lot of content. And that can be a lot of groundwork, a lot of hard work, but it's what you got to do to actually start moving the needle. And then you can always go back and stress over the other things that might be more fun, but that will not move the needle at all in the beginning. Exactly. Like deciding on a logo or what your tagline is going to be, or if, if you should include your face in there or not. Yeah, exactly. How long did it take us to get the artwork done for this podcast? I mean, it's not Picasso, but it's still okay to start with. I a hope minute. it took a minute because <laughs> yeah, yeah. anything more would have not been worth it. Exactly. Because we should be here on air talking about stuff and not just making things that don't move the needle in the beginning. Now, there might be a time in the future where we have to go back to this, but now is not the time. Exactly. Right. So I th again, I think you just need a lot of focus and just prioritization and knowing what to do and a, a bit of a discipline to just do the things that actually matter rather than do the things that are fun. 
Right. So it's like it requires grunt work. And what about, Keishi, in your case, with your aviation blog, can you yeah. give us examples? Yeah, I, I think that's a good example. So, I mean, I, I've been passionate about aircraft for years and years and years since I was a kid. And I've been taking flights a lot. And I took flights for, for the sake of taking them for years. But before I started my blog, it was essentially just buy a ticket, get on the flight, enjoy it, take some photos, back up the photos after you get home and rinse and repeat. But once I actually started taking my aviation blog more seriously, then it turned into a, there was still a lot of fun, but there's also a lot of things that are not necessarily fun or that are not easy or that you don't necessarily want to do, but you got to do. So what used to be just take the flight, enjoy it, take some photos, back up the photos after getting home, turned into get to the airport early, take photos in the lounge while others look at you like you're a freak because you're running around with a camera Hmm. in a lounge full of like 50 people and then run to another lounge so that you can review two instead of just one and do the same there and then run to the gate and get there early before everyone else so that you can be the first to board and then get on the plane, take photos on board and be that freak again and then keep taking notes throughout the flight and get home or to the hotel or wherever you might be staying and then download the pictures, download the notes, edit the pictures, write the article, publish it. So there's a lot of work that goes into producing any piece of content or anything that you want to get out there in front of people, whether you're trying to sell it to them or whether you just want to show it to them. But there's a lot of work that goes into the process. Yeah, let alone like, especially the articles themselves, that takes, at least in my case, (laughs) between two and four hours if I'm writing it on my own from like start to finish. Yeah. And it's between two and four hours, like four hours is like half a day of work if it's your full-time job. Actually, it's a lot easier if I do it through a freelancer. But once in a while, I kind of want to do it first. Yeah, that that makes sense. And and even then, just writing the briefs for a writer and things like that, it's still a lot of work that you have to put a lot of thinking into and a lot of hours into if you want to scale those things, right? Exactly. I think no matter what angle you look at it, it's it's real work and it's a lot of work. And down the road, it can also be a job, essentially. So that's the first point, I think. I think we covered it more than well enough. And hopefully by this point, everybody understands that this is not just some fun thing to do. This, this is in a game, guys. This is in a candy store. I'm just kidding. So it is hard work. And on top of that, reason number two, there's a learning curve. So what do you mean by that? So what's a learning curve? You know, according to Google, the rate of a person's <laughs> progress in getting experience or new skills. In other words, consider it kind of a wall that you got to climb over. Okay, can- yeah, th- th- that makes sense. Exactly. Because I think in the last episode, we were saying things like, yeah, just buy a domain and set up WordPress or just insert affiliate link into your post or just whatever. But but the truth is there's no just, right? I mean... It just wants you to learn how to do it, but getting to the point where it becomes just whatever is actually pretty difficult in itself. And I think we're under sort of curse of knowledge, having done this for a number of years now, where we just know the terms and we know how the things work and things like that. Yeah. But 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 if you're brand new to this, I think if I go to like my to my mom or something and I tell her, hey, just buy a domain and set up WordPress, then she'd probably look at me like, what? So so yeah. So I, I think there's a lot of learning that has to be done before we actually start building your side hustle and before you start getting it off the ground. Yeah. But the good news is that, you know, it doesn't take much. Like the learning curve exists and it probably will deter some people as soon as they hit their kind of first roadblock. But it, it's all very doable as long as you're, you're, you're jumping into action, you know. So what do you do, for example, if you want to write an article on, say, how to learn a language, you know, you'll go and find out how is an article structured, right? Introduction, body, conclusion. Then you have to kind of think of a goal. What goal do you want the reader to come away with? And now you have some knowledge that you can instantly apply. So if you can just learn and go, I think that's probably the best way to get around these roadblocks. 
Yeah, exactly. You just start making little templates and little shortcuts for yourself, and you just start knowing how to do those things. But just out of curiosity, how did you get started, Yuri? How, how were your first couple of days, couple of weeks as a blogger? Or where did you learn all these things? I think it took much longer in my case. Um, I know last time I mentioned I, I would do like a post or two a month. And some posts were maybe two paragraphs, three paragraphs maximum because I didn't know what I was doing. So it didn't, it took me quite a while. I think I put out some content that was subpar and I think I still put out content that's subpar. But uh, it's through the putting out that you learn. Like in my case, I think I learned better from doing things, putting them out there, see how they fare out there. And then based on that, I can adjust my next time or the next piece of content that I put out. Maybe I, I wouldn't say I was magically a professional in like the first two or three months. I think it probably took a few years of consistency. Yeah, I, I loved it. I mean, let, let me give you an example on my side. Like um, I do a lot of work with Photoshop because I take a lot of photos and stuff. And um, I can trace that all the way back to when I was like eight or nine or something years old. And I would just play around with Photoshop on one of the first computers that my family had. And I'd just be Photoshopping like gorillas or giraffes into my photo of my garden. And that's sort of how I got started. And then it was just a long process and just learning bit by bit and then kind of applying it to all the different side hustles that I try to do now. Yeah. But again, it's not something you can learn overnight, but the only way you can really learn it is to actually do it. Like you can, you can be reading textbooks about Photoshop. You can be reading textbooks about accounting. You can be reading textbooks about blogging. But unless you actually go out there and start doing those things, you will not break through the learning curve, I'd say. Agreed. Agreed. So again, I think as much as this is a reason why it's difficult, it's also something that you really have to do if you want to get out on the other side of the tunnel. I'd say. Exactly. And I, th I think that this I think the point of there's a learning curve uh, also goes back to the first point that it is real work because learning in a way is work. Yeah, exactly. And if, if you think, you know, Photoshop and, you know, HTML and, you know, CSS, you know, all these things and you start doing a blog, then you realize you don't know how to do keyword research or you you know how to do all those things and you've built a decently sized blog by yourself and then you try and go scale it and you try to hire freelancers or you try to hire an assistant or something. And then you realize you have no freaking clue about how to manage people or about how to assign people tasks or about how to set expectations. And then you're starting at zero again. But again, unless you go through that and do those things and try to do those things and fail at them, then you're never gonna learn how to do it and you're never gonna scale or move to the next step. Agreed. So you, you, you just got to push through it, essentially. Agreed. In my case, I had to learn SEO. I had to learn script writing. I had to learn... Um, actually, we talked about this last time. I didn't. I couldn't think of things of what I learned. But after the first podcast, all the ideas started coming to my head. Like, you know, <laughs> I know how to build a social profile. Like, for example, a Facebook page or a Tumblr page. And so, like, I have a lot of followers I learned, you know, what posts get the most attention, how to drive traffic. I learned um, email marketing, how to get people sign up to your list. So there's a lot that I learned, but the whole point was like, you know, it didn't come on day one or day two or day three. Yeah, and you have to kind of wear many hats anyway to like, you know, you, you have to learn how to write. You have to learn how to, in some cases, code or edit audio as we're going to do with this podcast. Exactly. Just like when you're starting a restaurant by yourself with no staff in the beginning, just a small shop, and you got to know how to cook, you got to know, you got to know how to serve your customers, you got to know how to use the register, you got to know how to, how to wash the dishes, you got to know all these different things, and you got to learn how to do every single one of them. It's the exact same with blogging or with making a YouTube channel or any other side hustle, whether it's dropshipping or whatever it might be. You just got to be prepared to to wear 
a lot of different hats in the beginning. And yeah. some of those hats you might know really closely and well. Yeah. But others you just have no clue about. And all you can do is just learn how to do it. And some hats you hate, but you still have to do them. Exactly. So, all right. So second point was there's a learning curve. And the third point where we're going to get into is, is I think this is a very interesting one for both of us. And it's things won't go as you plan them. So if you've followed any marketing or business or self-help guru, these people kind of try to sell you formulas for success, right? Yeah, ki kind of like essentially it's if you look at people that are trying to sell you advice on how to do online marketing or how to start a side hustle, probably like 95% of it is just get rich quick. Yeah, but... not going to use bad words here because we agreed that we would keep this kids friendly but but it just doesn't they're just trying to sell you a get rich quick scheme that doesn't necessarily work not that's not to say there's not no good courses on this sort of stuff or things like that but one thing i'm absolutely sure about is there's no single formula for success especially if you're looking just beyond just making revenue like maybe if you want to make a blog that makes a thousand dollars let's say every month there are probably a couple of formulas that you can follow pretty much A to Z and make it work. But if you want to make a side hustle that really complements who you are as a person and that really enhances your life rather than just makes you money, then there's really no single formula. No, there's not. Though I think the only one formula you can have is effort. Effort and then review what you did and then adjust based on kind of the feedback that you got. But yeah, it's like, I it's think, that I think so. thing that no one wants to listen to and they don't want to do it because they want something more specific and uh, magical sounding. Yeah, so I think there's this kind of cliche marketing framework of PDCA, which is plan, do, check, and act, which means just plan it first, then do it, and then look at the results and take that feedback and act on it and just go over and over again. And I think when you look at how to build a blog or how to do side hustle, it's essentially the exact same thing. You just got to do something and plan. But again, you realize that half of the things won't go according to the plan. So you just have to adjust the plan and just keep going in this circle and hope that it will take you higher and higher. Exactly. Eventually. And like along the lines of things won't go according to plan, both of us uh, participate in Amazon affiliate program. And I think both of us have experienced Amazon's commission slashes that happened recently, right? Yeah, it, it, exactly. And it's it, it can be Amazon and their commission cuts or it can be Google and their algorithm changes. And sometimes you just do nothing wrong or you do nothing at all. But just the external factors are going to go against you. I mean, other times they might be for you, but... It, Oftentimes they will go against you and there's not really much you can do except for just keep going. Yeah. Right. Like, just let me give you an example. One of my blogs was affected by a couple of Google, Google algorithm updates over the last few months. And then the coronavirus crisis came and then Amazon slashed the commissions pretty much in half on some of the yeah, categories. That's like three and, and issues more. in a row. There's like three or four things that just go on top of each other. And really, all you can do is just hope that you're playing your cards right more than half the time, right? Like, yeah. things are always going to go bad. Or your website and, might go down. Yeah, things like that. Things always happen. Just be prepared for that and just don't stress over it. I mean, you can stress for a bit, but after you're done stressing, just get into action and fix the things. Or, yeah. Again, right. sometimes just do nothing. Sometimes there's really nothing you can fix. And that's what Google always say when they have their algorithm updates. They're like... Yeah, sorry, guys, you've lost half of your traffic, but there's really nothing you can do. You might be pulling out your hair trying to figure out what you can do. But really, the only thing you can do is either keep going or start doing something else. I think both. Both are good approaches. Yeah, I think so. And, and I was reading this book that I finished this morning, and there was an interesting passage where the guy said that um, success and failure are the same thing. They're just different sides of the try coin, essentially, right? Yeah. So I, I think you have to take it that way and just keep trying and keep doing and you're going to fail inevitably because just as when you flip a coin, 
but you just got to hope there's going to be more successes than failures when it's part of the process essentially it's part of the process right i mean like if you're not you know the the problem is when we talk about success and failure um these are very these are very strong words right like some people place it so high up on a pedestal you know if you're listening to a podcast of an entrepreneur revealing his failures you're like oh wow wow look at that oh wow or if someone's talking about their successes you instantly look up to them but like in some ways it's just part of the process you you know you push a button one thing doesn't work you push a button one thing starts working it's it's just it's it's just part of the process is what i'm trying to say yeah exactly i mean i think to to put it simply i think unless you fail you can't succeed because failure is just inevitable part of the process of getting there but uh but the whole point is things won't go most of the time things won't go as you plan for them so just to add one more thing here, um, and it kind of ties back into that there's no formula for success and there's no get-rich-quick schemes and things like that, which is, I think a lot of people, when they start a blog or when they start a YouTube channel or when they start essentially whatever kind of business, but especially with these type of, type of things, they just expect results to come right away. But that's not the case, right? And they make a plan saying, I'm going to write 30 articles and publish them by the end of the month. And then I should have this much traffic by the end of month six. And by mm. the end of month eight, I should be a millionaire. And <laughs> things, just, things just don't work that way, right? Yeah. And, and what happens with a lot of people is they just do the 30 articles and they wait six months and they start getting some traffic, but it's, it's not as much as they expected or they start making $50 a month instead of $500 a month. And they just give up because they say it doesn't work. Yeah. But it's, it's like that, you know, the graphic where there's a guy digging for dirt and he just turns around like inches five away. meters away, yeah, inches away from like a pile of gold. Yeah. It, it's that sort of thing. You just got to keep going and you just got to believe that your map is correct. Yeah. And Actually... It's just a quick comment on that. I think it's better to kind of to do it without a map because I didn't, in my case, for my first blog, I did not earn a dollar <laughs> until like a year in. And I think that was by luck. Like I was blogging <laughs> for a year and I, I had, again, I had no expectations of revenue. I was just playing for fun. And then when that dollar came in, I was like, oh, wow, how can I do that again? How can I repeat that again? But um, because I had no plans, like I was able to kind of stick with it longer or just have fun with it. That's good. And I, I, I think, yeah, I think what you're talking about is just part of the learning process. Just you had no idea what you were doing. You were just doing it. Right. And I think we all start there. But I think I don't know if, would you agree, if you would agree or not. But I also think that now you are much thoughtful about the process than you're back when you were starting. Of like, course. Like for, for myself, for example, it's the same. I, the other day I made a list of all the domains that I bought and there's probably like 15 or 20 of them. And like most of them ended at one article. So I, I was one of those guys that just thought that, oh, I just buy the domain, start the blog and just keep going. But I never kept going yeah. and, until like with your case, it just, I found something I was really passionate about, which was the aircraft. And I just kept producing the content for the sake of it because it was a lot of fun producing it. And it, it was more about just building something that I can look back at and just be like, oh, this is a flight that I took. And it, it was like this and just essentially just a, like a handmade souvenir, you could say, I guess, from my trips. Yeah. And, and then one day I looked at the stats and it's like, oh, there's like 5,000 people or whatever coming. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. Let's try to put ads there. Yeah. And then I put the ads and it starts making like a dollar or something. And I think there's nothing that feels better than making like your first 10 cents on the you internet. Never. You will right? never forget it. it. Yes. I, I think it feels better than making like the first 100 or making the first 1000. It's just like, oh, this thing really works. Yeah. And, and, it, and it was like, I kind of got there unintentionally, but then looking back, 
I just realized there was so much learning that I've done along the way. And now when I start a site or when I do something else, I just do it so much more thoughtfully because of kind of the accidental discovery that I did with my aircraft side. Yeah. All right. So you guess you have to learn how to accept failure. And learn from failure. All right. Next reason is it's a responsibility. Starting a side hustle is an extra responsibility added to your life. It's going to make your life complicated, a little more stressful. Keishi, what do you think? I think yes and no. I guess it depends on how you're looking at it. I think some people just like that sort of stress, unless it's too overwhelming. But but then again, like you said, it's just extra responsibility. It's just another thing that you have to take care of. And like if you're if you're like a single guy in your twenties or something, it's probably not a problem at all. But yeah. then if you're like forty and you have two kids and you have to spend time with them and you have to spend time with your wife and things like that, then then it can get a bit overwhelming, right? Because it's just another area that you have to dedicate time to you just if you want to have it succeed because at the end of the day unless you dedicate time to this whether it's one hour a day one hour a week or however however long it is but unless you dedicate consistent time to this then you're not going to succeed and if you dedicate consistent time to this then just by the nature of it it just means that it's an extra responsibility that you have to take care of exactly and like speaking of responsibility for example in our case we both hire out freelancers to do work for us so what does that mean you have to communicate with them. You have to give them tasks. You have to follow up with them on feedback. They're depending on hearing from you. On top of that, you know, one example I like using is for us American citizens, we have to file taxes, which is pretty stressful. But on, on top of that, you know, now you have to file business taxes, which is probably another beast in itself. Yeah, I think so. so let, let me go back to the freelancers for a second. So, um, what were your first experiences like when you were trying to get somebody to work on your projects and pay them for that, pay them for helping you, essentially? With past side projects, um, I was working with friends, and maybe we should do another podcast on this later, on how much you should involve your friends in your side projects, if at all. So that aside, with actual freelancers, I already kind of learned, um, based on work experience, on how to not give feedback by giving feedback, by giving poor feedback to some person who flipped out on me over email. <laughs> Yeah. So um, as a result, I became much more relaxed with how I give feedback and what I want from the freelancer just to like not make things complicated. I want to make them I want to make it super easy for them to get the job done. So it could be super easy for me to move on with my own tasks. So in that case, I, uh, you know, like if they submit a creative, if they submit an article, I don't really change it too much. I don't really care too much, I guess. As long yeah. as they hit, as, as long as they hit every criteria that I asked for, you know, word count, mentioning certain things, including uh, SEO keywords, I don't, I, I don't care otherwise. I don't nitpick, and I just let it go. Um, that, that's great because in my case, I I think the biggest issue that I had is just I just went in with such high expectations, and for the longest time, I was just doing everything myself, and um, I would be taking care of every single details and things like that, and th that kind of grew me accustomed to my style and to my work outputs and sort of gave me like a little tunnel vision, I guess, yeah. about what the what the right output should be. And then I think you, you like giving feedback and I kind of hate it, or at least I hated it. Now I enjoy it. And now I think I'm much more capable of giving a con constructive feedback. But I, now I just try to take it a step back and just think of it as my real responsibility being just to make the instruction so bulletproof that there's very room for just making a mistake. Exactly. And again, that's just my responsibility. And in the past, I was just like, oh, this guy, he submitted this terrible piece of work. Yeah, but that what do I do with you. it? Yeah, and, and, and then the other thing is, I, I would just take the work and be like, yeah, great stuff, thanks. And then I never get back to them, which 
we can do another podcast on <laughs> how yeah. to properly manage freelancers and stuff like that. But I, I would just never get back to him. Yeah. Or I or I would never ask for re- revisions, right? I would never provide the feedback because I was so much into just the doer mindset, I guess. It just I get the stuff and I either re-edit it or just start by myself from scratch. Because <laughs> I, I, I just didn't enjoy giving feedback and I saw it as a waste of time. Whereas now I see it as more of a responsibility and investment in the future, especially if I see that the freelancer is kind of committed and I enjoy working with him or her. Yeah, but it is a responsibility and it it becomes a thing to do that you didn't have to do before. So in a way, it is adding responsibility to your life. You know, you're adding on more weight. So like you said earlier, you know, if you're a 20 year old guy, you can probably take on the responsibility if you're not doing much else. Yeah, if, if you're not doing much else and you don't take on the responsibility, then I think you should rethink what you're doing. <laughs> but again, everybody's in a different situation. So, yeah, exactly. I, I think this kind of segues nicely into our next point is uh, it can cause an imbalance in your life. So if you do a side hustle and this this point actually comes from me, I, I thought of it um, mostly because, in my opinion, you can feel free to disagree here. A lot of entrepreneurs are quite imbalanced in many ways it's just work 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 very hard to step away and see life or and enjoy life in other situations yeah i guess i guess this is again a yes and a no for me it just i I think for some reason over the last few years there's just been this culture of unless you're working on your business every single waking minute of your life then you're not working on it at all and and you've got people like gary vaynerchuk on one side and then you've got people like tim ferris who are like who wrote the book the four-hour work week as i'm sure you know and you've got people like that who are more about the lifestyle that comes with it and just being able to build the lifestyle that you want whereas for some it just business, business, business. So again, I I think it really, really depends on a person. And I think, again, if you just enjoy working on your business and if you have no other areas to, so so let's say you don't have family or or you're you're that single guy in your 20s and you want to work on your business for the next 10 years and you want to work on it every single minute you're awake so that you can get ahead and you enjoy it, then just go ahead and do it. But then if you have other responsibilities and if you just, if it just starts eating more and more of those, then be careful about it because I, I think you've got a good analogy here about the pie chart theory, right? Yeah. Well, I think the, the listeners can't see it, but here we have it in notes, you know, if you imagine life as a pie chart where it's sliced up into various aspects of life. For example, what do you think about your life, listener, and think about what's important to you. You know, for example, there's health, there's career and self-actualization, there's the spiritual side of life, there's love, there's family and friends, and maybe you would add in another category or two. But I'm of the opinion that when you're working on one, when you're focusing on one, the others can and will suffer. So, for example, if you're full on into your side hustle and you're not leaving the house and you're thinking about it until like 10 p.m., you're not thinking about anything else. A lot of things will suffer, for example, your health and your fitness or if you're neglecting friends or in my case, I like to I think I've kind of learned from this, too. Um, I was I was a very big fan of Steve Jobs in my 20s. I was like I read every book about him, really loved the, you know, focus, 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 do, do, do type of approach. And also at the same time, because I thought that I needed to dedicate 100% of my effort, I ended up missing out on a lot of relationships um, that I should have pursued because I, you know, I I thought it's like a zero sum game. Either I'm all in or I'm not in it at all and I'm just going to mess up. And so, but I think this kind of thinking goes back to being imbalanced. Um, I could have done both. You know, I, I, I've lost opportunities in some really great relationships because I thought, not because of the person, but because in my head I was telling myself a different story. 
that I really need to do this and I can't handle anything else, which in my opinion, you know, is a bit of a lie because you can do both things at the same time. And maybe you have to spread out your focus just a little bit, but both things can be done. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think um, I, I used to be similar. I would just work on my side hustles or I would just work on like client projects and things like that. And like you can lose track of time or, or you can just get so consumed that you go out for dinner and all you can think of is all you can think of is keyword research or all you can think of is how are you going to put a new system in place and things like that. And, and it can definitely lead into the other aspects of your life. And j- just to give an example, like I think a year or two back and my mom and sister were in Japan and my girlfriend and I and my mom and sister went to Disneyland. And that morning I woke up and I checked my Google analytics like I do pretty much every morning just to make sure everything's running properly and it showed zero people live on my website and usually the number was like in double digits and I was like what the hell is going on and then I realized the server is down and then essentially for the whole day I was going between enjoying Splash Mountain and um, whatever other attractions they have there and between checking in with my developer back in Slovakia about what the status of getting getting things back up is so it can definitely kind of play into that balance and again I think there can be days when that happens because they're just the nature of life and things happen and it might be the other way around it might be that you need to go to your friend's wedding so you do less work so i think they need to kind of play along with each other yeah but but you just got to be really clear about what your boundaries are in general it's not unbreakable rules but it's kind of having a framework that you work around because otherwise it's really easy to just go after either just after growing your blog or then just going the other way around and just doing nothing and lying on your tv all day and just watching netflix and not doing anything right as with everything i think as you said it just it's just about balance yeah and i think I'm in, more oh sorry go ahead yes and again i think we talked a lot about outsourcing and stuff like that before and i think some of the balance can be regained by setting up proper systems and just outsourcing and setting proper boundaries so it's definitely something that it can be dealt with, but you got to be aware of it and you can't just let your business or any single area of you just consume all of you. Yeah. I, not too long ago, um, I was, I, I don't know if I told you, I was watching rom-coms. Do you know about rom-coms, Keishi? Yeah. yeah. So like romance comedies that are <laughs> designed for women, but I was, I was watching, I was watching them and it kind of inspired me to just write on my own personal blog on why men should watch rom-coms. And I think it definitely stems back into balance. So I guess my whole point was, you know, if you think about your day, think about that, you know, what, what guys go through every day, you know, and what kind of feelings and emotions that you process throughout the day. Right. You start your work. You're, maybe you're feeling a little agitated because something didn't go right. Then now, then you have to f- seriously focus on another thing. And basically, you're only tapping into like four or five emotions there throughout your day. You know, there's okay. like, yeah. like you're, you're first there's you're feeling ambitious. Then you got all right. You're going to get done, get things done type of mood. Then you're in a, oh, that didn't work. You're feeling a little frustrated. So I've also been taking improv classes. And in improv, we're taught to access all kinds of emotions. And we're taught that, you know, emotion essentially is a spectrum. But we don't get to play around with them or activate all of them depending on the type of people that we are. So to tie this back into rom-coms is that, you know, you're now more exposed to different kind of feelings. Oh. Love, or romance, or taking care of someone. Yeah, and this adds more balance to your life. And that was the po- point of my post. And that's, I guess, this also comes back to like you know doing side hustles is kind of imbalancing you're only activating certain parts of yourself 
and the rest of it is getting neglected, kind of like a muscle. So with rom-coms, us guys, by watching them, we get to activate certain emotions that we normally neglect. And I guess that was the whole point was, you know, to bring more balance into your life, bring more variety. Because otherwise, if you're only focused on one thing, you're not going to be very fun or interesting to another person when they realize that's all you're about. Um, for I don't know about you, but I remember reading an article on like a tennis. I forget who it was. It was a tennis superstar. And when it came to things outside of tennis, this guy just couldn't handle it. He couldn't talk <laughs> at all. Like he was the most boring person on earth. Can't can't relate to anything. But when you talk to him about tennis, he lights up and he starts talking about everything. Yeah. And again, I think to some extent that's good because you're just passionate about something. But but be sure to have some other interests as well, right? And just thinking about this, I think just the most important thing here to realize is that, um, and it's something that I just had to learn over the last few years, is, is that just side hustles are business. You can let them consume you, but that's not what really they're there for. What they're there for is so that um, it's not something that should keep you occupied so that you can visit your parents or that you visit your parents less, but it's something that should actually enable you to visit your parents more, right? Or it's not something that should make you say no to your kids who want to go to Disneyland because you have to work. It's something that should enable you to buy an annual pass and go to Disneyland every single weekend, right? Again, just it's not supposed to be a weight on your shoulder, but a lever that just enables you to live a more enjoyable life overall, I think. Agreed. That just comes to like, um, what are your goals and what are you trying to achieve with this? And I think you just got to think that when somebody dies, the speech goes along the lines of John Doe, a loving husband, Kiga's brother, a Star Wars lover or whatever. And it doesn't go John Doe, 15,000 YouTube subscribers, 5,000 Facebook followers, 1 million net worth, right? So I, I think it just you, sh- you should really just use these side hustles and businesses and whatever you do to enhance your life rather than to have your life consumed by them. Agreed. Uh, you know, As you know, last year... 2019, I kind of took a step back from my websites. And instead, I I decided to focus more on other things. Like, you know, nowadays, I'm doing weekly calls with my mom, I I decided to strengthen my relationships with with my friends, because like you said, I was pretty much consumed because this was this was the kind of thing for me to do. And when you are that much consumed, psychologically speaking, if a person is um, a work addict, workaholic, psychologically speaking, there's probably something they're running away from. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So in my case, I in 2019, it was kind of stressful for me. So I really took a step back and I used that time to focus on relationships. And like you said, you know, it should kind of your side hustle should be used to aid what's important to you. So I'm kind of glad that mine is very passive, that I just put up blogs and that's it. And I can take a step back and forget about it. Yeah, I I can focus on other things. Yeah, I think in my case, I just want my side hustles and businesses to be like, um, I don't want people to go and be like, oh, this guy's working all the time. I want people to be like, how the hell is this guy doing this all the time? And by this, I mean just things that are completely unrelated to it, right? I just want it to be something that frees my time rather than consumes it. And of course I have to do work, but hopefully it's something where I do one hour of work and then I can have four hours of fun or four hours that I can spend on another side hustle or four hours that I can just spend on visiting my parents or visiting my friends or whatever it is. But just use the side hustle as a leverage. Don't use it as something to to just do for the sake of doing or to just do yeah. for the sake of making more money. Because if you do... And don't get me wrong, more money is good, but got to be careful with it. Yeah, because if you do, it's going to put a strain on your interpersonal relationships. And that's the next point that we have. After imbalance, next point is it does put a strain on your personal relationships. And I think we both can relate here that um, it's kind of a lonely gig, isn't it, Keishi? Yeah, in a way. Yeah, again, because and I think it all comes back to the learning curve and it being a real work. And like you, you see, sometimes I see people that just go 
or even friends that just go and say, I'm going to start a blog or I'm going to start a YouTube channel. And then either they never do it or they do it, but then quit right away. So, so it's kind, you're kind of in a spot that if you stick to it, you're essentially an outlier, I'd say. Yeah. And that's good because it gets you like, that's what gets you 80% there. But it's also something that makes you different from the rest, I guess. Yeah. And so, your friends might not get you, you know, because they don't understand the kind of work that you're putting in. They might not understand your problems. You know, I guess it's like business business owner problems. Yeah, and I think it also goes the other way around. Like sometimes, well, I think if you have a full-time job, it's different. But sometimes when you have more freedom of time, it's just hard for you to understand why others don't have it. Yeah. Right. And it can be stressful for both sides, I think. It's like... Yeah. Because both of you don't understand each other yeah, or you're not trying you're to. You're kind of working on different frequencies in a way, I'd say. That's a good point. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Also, entrepreneurs or I guess people with side hustles, we I think we are of the get stuff done mentality, right? And we put productivity above all. So when you're working with people, the first thing we want to know is, did you get the job done? We're not asking, you know, so how have you been today? And I think that is a problem and it will put a strain on your interpersonal relationships. Yeah, I guess you can say so. And I, I think, again, it's just about holding people accountable because I think you just hold yourself accountable. You just want to do things and see the results. And you know that if you don't do the things, the results don't come. And you sort of expect everybody around you to act the same way, right? So, yeah, I, I think a bit more empathy is good. So I think as an, as an entrepreneur or as a side hustler or whatever you want to call it, you're just used to doing things and getting things done and just keeping yourself accountable. And you say, I'm going to build this thing and you actually build it. Whereas a lot of people like talking about things, but then when it comes to actually implementing them, they fall short. And that's not to say that you or I or other people that do their own stuff don't talk about things that they end up not doing. But I think there's always something that we do, right? There's always an article that we publish, or there's always a website that we start, or there's always keyword research that we do, or there's always thinking about the next idea and actually putting it in motion somehow. Whereas a lot of people just like talking about ideas. Yeah. And I think when you get into that sort of dynamic with your friends, we're just talking about ideas. It's then not at a good some point. Exactly, because at some point, if you're like you or I, it, it just get frust gets frustrating, right? It's like, okay, dude, you've been talking about this for a year, so now it's time to actually implement it. But there might have yeah. been a million other things why that person wasn't able to implement it. So again, just a bit of empathy probably goes a long way there. Yeah, but that empathy, it definitely requires learning and practice. It's not like something you can say, hey, be more empathetic. It's like, you really have to stop and you have to get on another frequency, as you said. Yeah, exactly. And I think a bit of empathy goes a long way in several of these points. Just as an example, like if you're working with freelancers and you just throw, let's say, a topic at them, but you don't give them any further instructions, but you expect some sort of very specific result, it's probably as frustrating for them not knowing what to do as it is for you to see a result that's not what you expected. Yeah. Right. It's, it's like in cooking. Like if I give you flour and water, you can make pizza, you can make pasta, you can make bread probably. I'm no chef, so I have no idea if what I'm saying makes sense. But but you can have the same ingredients and make different outputs by using different recipes. And like I think with the lack of empathy, you can just you kind of tend to skip the recipe and just have the inputs and then you expect some sort of output without understanding what the thinking of the other person actually is. Do you have any ex uh, experiences with this or examples? With freelancers? Yeah. Um, yeah, so just to give you an example, um, I used to, before I started hiring writers directly, I used to test a bunch of different like content providers and like third-party services. And, and the way they work is essentially you give a keyword and you can give some notes and they send you an article. And like I, I would request an article on a topic and I would have in my mind the structure of the article, like an outline. 
but then I didn't communicate it to them, right? And then I get the article back and it's completely different. And it was just frustrating me and I would just go to a different content provider. And the same thing would happen again. Whereas looking back, all it required was me providing a bit, of, bit more instructions and a bit of putting myself in the shoes of the writer or in the shoes of the content provider rather than just being like, oh, this is not what I expected. So I, I think you'll face a lot of these sort of things when you start. And especially if you never worked with other people in the capacity where you're the one actually asking them to do something for you. I found it very difficult in the beginning and I still find it difficult, but I would like to believe I'm getting a bit better at it. Yeah. In my case, like, you know, going back to interpersonal relationships, I would kind of look for ways to inject my own projects or websites where I tell people, you know, if they're talking about their job, I should tell or tell people, hey, you should start a website about that or you should start a website about that. You should start a website about that. And, you know, it's, you don't want to be that guy, you know, that, everyone's that's a good out. one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you don't want to be that guy. You're having, you're hanging out with friends, you're enjoying drinks. And there's one guy over there like, Hey, you should start a website. Hey, you should start. It's like, <laughs> it's long story short. It's like, you're, you're terrible with people because you're kind of, in my case, I was pushing my own interests onto them. We're not really trying to find out what they're interested in. Yeah. I, I can understand it totally. And I, yeah, I, I think it's just about learning that one, not everybody's interested in doing their own thing. Some people are perfectly fine with having their day job and then watching Netflix. And I don't think there's anything bad about that. I mean, as long as you don't complain about it, I think it's good. And then on another level, I think it's easy to go very, very narrow and focused. Once you, let's say you build a blog, then suddenly you start seeing the whole world through the eyes of a blog. Like you talk about computers. The the only thing that comes to your mind is a blog reviewing computers. Or you talk about um, airplane models. And the only thing that comes to your mind is making a website about airplane models without realizing there's like a hundred different business models and everybody has different things that they like to do. And maybe somebody doesn't want to make a blog. Maybe somebody wants to start, I don't know, a marketing agency. And that's that's good. And you just got to understand that that just the different business model is not worse or, or better, right? It's just different. Yeah. In other words, you're imbalanced. <laughs> yeah, I guess it goes back to that, doesn't it? Yeah. Anything else? I, I think we covered everything pretty well here. And I intentionally tried to keep it at six point because we had seven points about why to do it. So I hope we didn't discourage anybody who would, who was about to give it a shot, but didn't. Exactly. So uh, if these reasons don't stop you, then you should definitely take some steps and take action on the side hustle. Otherwise, if you talk to your side hustle friend about your side hustle that you haven't started, they might get a little annoyed with you. Exactly. So just just do it. Initially, we were thinking of calling this episode six reasons why you should not do a side hustle. But then we sort of decided that it should be six reasons why side hustles are not for everyone. Because again, I don't think there's any of these reasons is not a reason not to do a side hustle. It just thinks to be wary of and it just thinks to keep in your mind when you start with it and when you do it. And as long as you can manage them properly, then there really is no real reason not to do a side hustle other than oh i'm already so rich and i'm so content with my life that i don't need any extra money and even then you probably there's probably a side hustle that you would actually enjoy doing so i think for me the biggest thing is just try to make some extra money while having fun and just keep the focus on the having fun part in the beginning and if it rolls into the other then as long as you keep it balanced based on all these different points that we talked about then i think you'll be doing great have you ever read the book stillness is key by ryan holiday no i've heard about it but i've never read it it's very interesting it kind of um ties back to what we're talking about some of what we're talking about today the whole point is like you know with all this you know act to take action jump in go 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 productivity rush 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 mantra that we hear from you know gurus self-help gurus there's a kind of an opposite opposite side of the coin to this where 
you kind of need stillness to balance that out. And one example that he gave, actually the whole book is examples of how leaders and business leaders and political leaders took downtime or took advantage of downtime to become better at what they're doing. There's one example of Winston Churchill and his uh, hobby was painting. Simply it was like completely unrelated to what he was doing, but it allowed him to come back with a fresh perspective and become, you know, and uh, be a leader during World War II. So while we say that you, you would be in balance if you're working all the time, but by doing something completely different, like painting, you know, our, our brains are still working in the background on whatever we're thinking about. Exactly. I, I love that. And I, I think it comes back to just if you try to do something too hard, then it's kind of counterproductive. It's like th there's a reason why you get your best ideas in the shower or on a, on a walk or when you're not trying too hard to actually get the idea. Yeah. It's because your brain just gets to relax. And I'm no neuroscientist, so don't take me word by word. But I think your, your brain just gets to relax. And while you're trying, while your mind's wandering around the flower that you see on your walk, is actually also processing all the different things that um, you're thinking about in terms of your business and in terms of your side hustle back when you were sitting behind your computer, except it now has a different environment to do so and a much quieter and calmer environment. Is I, I would say that quiet and calm environment make for the best thinking. Agreed. Agreed. Definitely shower time and bathroom time is a key time for me to get my head on straight yeah it's, it's like um I, i've never meditated i tried it a couple of times and um i didn't succeed and I, i just don't see how it could work for me although again there's a lot of people that say it works for them but i can see how it could work in terms of the way that walks work for me it's like i just take an hour-long walk And I come back home with more business ideas and more ideas of what to do with my side hustle than if I spent it one hour sitting behind a computer, which is what I would have done probably if I didn't go on the walk. Yeah. And, and those walks kind of, so those walks kind of balance you out. Yeah, exactly. It just goes back to the balance. Just don't try too hard and just enjoy it and just push at it, but don't do it. Don't overdo it. So if these reasons have not stopped you yet from doing a side hustle, you should definitely jump in. But I, I'm of the opinion that balance is key and you should know when to walk away and you, sh you should know when to work, when to work hard and when to walk away and when to cut it off. Exactly. And, and remember, it's not going to be John Doe, 15,000 YouTube subscribers and a million dollars net worth. It's going to be John Doe, a loving husband and a kick-ass brother. So just do whatever it takes to get there. That's a great way to end it. All right. Great stuff. Talk to you next week. All right. Listeners, subscribe to our podcast. We also started a YouTube channel where we will upload video versions of these. Again, this is the Side Hustles and Stuff podcast brought to you by Keishi and Yuri. Signing out. Talk to you later.